You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, welcome to Sealed Section, the podcast that answers the sex questions you're too afraid to ask your girlfriends. My name is Chantelle Otten. I'm a psychosexologist, scientist, and sex and relationship expert, and I'm passionate about helping people find their pleasure and have great sex. Every episode, I answer two of your questions. If you have a question, please send it to us at podcast at mamamia.com.au. Today, we have two very different questions sent in. One is about orgasms and one is about sexual assaults. So let's get into it. So for question one, we have a really great one. It is, I'm 30, I've never orgasmed, and I don't really like trying to, but I feel like I'm broken or not doing it right. Is that bad? Should I keep trying? It also upsets my partner that I can't or don't like trying. For example, I hate oral sex and I find it really uncomfortable and icky. Now, first of all, What I want to say is I think you need to have a chat with your partner about their reactions. I think it would be wise for your partner to be a little bit more empathetic and encourage you rather than criticize you or become upset. I don't think that these are healthy reactions and I think that it will wear you down and make you feel worse or not inclined to work on this at all. Plus, it's not going to help you get to that orgasmic state that you're looking for and if you're constantly worried about them being upset with you. I just don't find this motivational. So I've spoken about orgasms quite a bit in previous episodes, and I really do believe that sexological therapy will be beneficial for someone like you, because I think that there's a little bit to unravel here. It's not just a simple clean cut answer that I can give you that's going to make everything better. As a sexologist, I would ask what you think orgasm means and what you think pleasure means. And I'd really help you just understand what reactions to expect from your body when orgasm is achieved. And maybe we can reframe pleasure a little bit more or your sexual experiences a little bit more and take orgasm off the table because I think we need to eliminate that pressure to achieve orgasm for you to get into the right zone. And moving on from that, we also need to eliminate the pressure that anyone else puts on you. So tell your partner that you really just want to have some fun and you don't want to aim for any goals. Some people just can't orgasm and that's also completely normal. Aiming for pleasure will help make the experience a lot more enjoyable. Now, after we've started eliminating any pressures from yourself and from your partner, we also need to eliminate any worries, any stresses and any anxieties, frustrations or expectations that you might have. So why don't we think a little bit more about what psychological factors may be impacting on your, first of all, motivation to try to orgasm and your orgasmic state? Do you have performance anxiety? Are you getting nervous about performing in the bedroom? Let's take the pressure off that. Are you allowing yourself to masturbate during partnered sex? Because this is important. 
I don't know whether you can achieve a climatic state through self-pleasure or not, but if you can, maybe that's something that you can bring into the bedroom with your partner, play around with, and hopefully achieve more pleasure from the partnered experience. Another thing, is your stress levels high? Because stress and sex don't really mix very well. And I think that a lot of people who come to me, and it sounds like you are a little bit anxious or stressed about this topic, a lot of people come to me and not only is their stress around sexuality quite high, but stress in their everyday life is really high. And when we have high levels of cortisol, which is the stress hormone, we are going to dampen our libido. We're going to dampen our ability to relax in the bedroom. We're going to be thinking about all these things that are stressing us out. And really, we're not going to be able to relax into that scenario. And we really do need to be able to be present and relaxed to be, to be able to experience pleasure or orgasm. Next, are there any problems in your relationship that might be impacting on your sexual activity, on your eroticism in the bedroom? This is something to think about. Do you have any impacts from past sexual trauma or is there any, you know, circumstances that have made you feel uncomfortable around sexuality or uncomfortable exploring your own sexuality in general? Do you have any negative attitudes about sex? Do you have guilt about sex? Do you need guidance in knowing what to do? Or are you sexually inexperienced? Because that's okay to admit as well. Sometimes we just need to be able to you know, move with this in a way that helps you feel like you can flourish and grow and you don't feel like you're the one that doesn't know anything because none of us knew anything when we first started having sex. We had to learn as we moved forward into our, you know, erotic lives. Next point is really important. Is the context of your sexual experiences right? Is the timing right? Do you have privacy? Do you feel like it is an appropriate time for you to be engaging in sexual activity? I have so many people that come to me and think that they should be having sex when they're in bed, like about to go to sleep. It's 10 p.m. at night and they're like, this is a great time to get rowdy. I don't know about you, but I'm already asleep. Like I am done. If I'm having sex, it has to be earlier in the day. Maybe it's just before dinner, so I'm not too full. Or maybe it's morning sex or maybe it's scheduled on Sunday. This is something to think about. When are you having it? What is the context of your sexual experiences as well? Are you having it for fun? Are you having it out of obligation? Next, is your orgasm problem a result of other sexual concerns? Are you having low sexual desire? Are you having problems with arousal in the relationship? So maybe your partner might be having difficulties with erectile functioning or premature ejaculation. Maybe you have low lubrication or maybe there's some sexual pain concerns there as well. These are all things to consider because, of course, that's not going to you know, lead you to have a really pleasurable time in the bedroom. So I want you to consider these points as well. Anorgasmia, which means, you know, inability to have an orgasm, can also be impacted by physical elements such as medications, diabetes, hypertension, drug and alcohol use, chronic pain conditions, so things like endometriosis, for example, certain disabilities such as spinal cord injury, multiple sclerosis, physical disability or motor problems such as Parkinson's disease. There may be some hormonal challenges that might be impacting on you and there can be things like ADD, ADHD, so attention difficulties, hyperactivity as well. The main thing to remember is that your clitoris 
is the pleasurable point for you that needs love and attention. And your clitoris is also nowhere near the vaginal opening. So if you're aiming to have an orgasm through penetration alone, maybe reassess and go back to the pleasure center, which is the clit. We must redirect our focus for masturbation and partnered sex towards clitoral pleasure and take away from this goal of orgasm. Pleasure is the goal from now on. If you can take the pressure off trying to have an orgasm and just focus on having fun, that is going to help you immensely in the bedroom. Because yes, Having an orgasm is great, but it actually does take time for everyone to get familiar with their own body and for your partner to get familiar with your body. You might be waiting, waiting, waiting for an orgasm to happen, and that anticipation starts to take away from the pleasurable experience. So what I suggest is taking some time, maybe considering some of the questions that I've posed here. If that helps you a little bit, maybe sexological therapy will be the next step for you. Maybe buying a womanizer, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, might be the next point for you to try and achieve some pleasure. I definitely think having a conversation with your partner is the first step, though, and just saying, hey, we need to stop putting such high expectations on me to achieve a goal, and we need to reframe our sexual interactions to having fun, having pleasure, and enjoying each other's bodies. So can we do that? And can we enjoy ourselves a little bit more? Just a heads up, this segment deals with sexual assault and may be triggering for some listeners. If you need support, please visit Beyond Blue and we will put some resources in the show notes. When I was sexually assaulted, I became more promiscuous. I really hate that word, but to put it quite simply, I had sex with a lot of people after what happened to me. I think there was two reasons for that. One was that I wanted to behave in a reckless way, putting myself in harm, not always being safe, having sex with people I didn't know or trust because I no longer valued myself and didn't really care what happened to me. And then I guess the second part was taking back agency over my body and my sex life after it had been taken away from me. Both of those things are observations that I have made much further down the track. Obviously at the time I didn't really register why I was doing what I was doing, but it was a very notable change in my sexual behaviour from after the assault. After my experience with sexual assault, I became very sexually active with a lot of different people in a very short amount of time. I think it was some sort of mental escapism. I actually didn't even know I was sexually assaulted until three years later when I was going through therapy for my vaginismus. So I haven't been able to have any form of PIV sex since then, but it's something that I'm currently working through. But yeah, it was something that I didn't even realize had actually happened to me, but my approach to sex changed so drastically straight after. My sexual assault affected my sex life in a way I couldn't really have predicted because it was more tied to the aftermath of my sexual assault because I confided in one person and they didn't believe me. 
And so it just really shook me in the sense of whatever future intimate situation I was in, I was just worried that something could go wrong and no one would believe me. So I pretty much reduced my sex life to people who I knew and trusted deeply to sort of remove that anxiety. So casual sex became a big problem for me and random hookups didn't really fill me with like adrenaline excitement, they just scared me. So it scared me off having more of a casual sex life in a big way. Okay, moving on to question two. How do I get back to enjoying sex after a sexual assault? Now, first of all, whoever sent in this question, I want to thank you because I know that there are so many people who would like to hear about this topic and either are sexual assault survivors or know a survivor and want to learn a little bit more about the process. Dealing with the aftermath of sexual assault is complex and there is a lot of support out there for survivors but there can always be more much of the support offered doesn't focus heavily on how to have sex or how to enjoy sex again after sexual assault and often the topic of approaching sex isn't explicitly raised in generalized psychology sessions so for a lot of survivors enjoying sex again can actually be one of the really important parts of the healing process, especially as it can feel like a part of your life that you used to enjoy or, you know, maybe have never even had the opportunity to explore yet has been taken away. And just remember that it's completely normal for different people to react to sexual assault in different ways. Some people feel comfortable or want to have sex straight away again or some people want to wait a while or not you know they might not feel comfortable at all it's important to think about what you can do for yourself and your own individualized experience I like to start by differentiating the difference between sex and sexual assault the thing that separates sex and sexual assault is consent, and that all of those involved are agreeing to what is happening by free will and choice. Remember that all sexual activity between people should be with enthusiastic consent, and that scenarios such as sexual assault take that control involuntarily out of your hands. Start, if you can, by identifying anything that may trigger or bring back any unwanted memories or emotions. And that includes in non-sexual situations as well. So, you know, for some people that might be a smell or for some people that might be a sound. If you can identify these things, that will help you hopefully avoid those triggers. And next, we can think about the things that help you feel in control. So, if you can communicate to your partner any definite triggers or things that you definitely don't want to do that will help and even if you put that in maybe an email or a letter if you don't feel comfortable verbalizing that we can also add into that letter things that help you feel in control of the situation for example that might be lighting lighting might help you feel in control because you're able to see what is going on or that might be putting a boundary up around what areas of your body you want to be touched and what areas you don't. Or maybe it might be putting some music on so you get a little bit of rhythm and some ambience rather than feeling like silence is necessary for your sexual encounters. I also think it's a really good idea 
for you to spend some time with self-pleasure. You are always your best sexual partner and whoever is invited into your erotic space is blessed. They are very lucky. Self-pleasure can help you get to know your body without any expectations from another person. And you can do this when you're single or in a relationship. Moving on from that, I think we need to talk a lot more about boundaries. And we're going to start with yourself. I think we need to talk about your own boundaries for yourself. And when you're with someone else, having a key way to say no. This can be difficult. And I think it's worth a conversation with any sexual partners that you have that sometimes you might not actually be able to say no. Your body might freeze with certain touch or you might get, you know, flooded with emotions at certain ways that your body is moving or certain activities that you're doing in the bedroom. So talking about maybe another word or an action that will help you establish that boundary and getting your sexual partner to check in with you and be very aware of your bodily reactions is super important. What's also really important is that you don't push yourself through any sexual situations because this is not necessary and this could also re-traumatize you and we really don't want that. We want to go on a healing journey instead. One thing that I like to do with couples that are going through that healing process is a game called the three-minute game, and that was developed by a sexual educator called Betty Martin. It's a game that teaches you about giving and receiving touch and how to accept or maybe deny certain types of touch as well. Another exercise that we like to work on in sessions is sensate focus exercises, which is a practice of stripping back sexuality to simple touch and building on from non-erotic touch to outer course touch and then penetrative touch. This is a process that is done over many weeks. It can be usually from six to eight weeks, but it can take longer. It can take months. And that's also really okay. It's really about your journey and what is right for you. Lastly, I do think that professional help is a great idea for you. Trauma-informed sexologists like myself are out there and will happily help you on your journey of healing. So I wish you the best of luck and thank you so much for sending in this question. Thank you to everyone for listening to Sealed Section. I'll be back next week to answer some more questions. Why don't you take a listen? Is acting on a cockolding fetish a bad idea? I often hear that fantasies should stay as fantasies, but it's tempting. If you have a question or comment about this podcast, you can email us at podcast at mamamia.com.au or leave a message on our pod phone at 028999386. My name is Chantelle Otten and you can find me on Instagram at Chantelle underscore Otten underscore sexologist. This episode was produced by Emmeline Peterson and I will see you next week. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.